When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard show with Mike Molina, Andy Brant Bernard, Mike Edlovich, Mitch Fatal. 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 You just went fatal, though. I, I have to remember how to say it. Fatal I'm does sound you. like Hebrew. Is it Hebrew? No, it's actually made up. Oh. <laughs> it's <laughs> actually made up. Awesome. Fatal. Fatal. Kind of sounds Syrian. Well, dreidel. Fatal. Is that because of dreidel, Andy? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Well, that fatal and dreidel. I'm going to start using that sound that's my new name. Fatal. Mitch Dreidel. Mitch Dreidel. I like it. <laughs> Mitch Dreidel. We'll be back with Mitch Dreidel right after this Tom Bernard show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. And it's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Touching me, touching me, 
I did. Yeah. Pop pop. What do they? So, what, what's your son call you? Pop. Your grandson pop pop. He calls you. Oh, bop bop. Bop bop. I think she's trying to say papa, but she says bop bop. Uh, our live feed dropped. Yes. So are we not? What are we doing? Recording the show. Oh, so we're not. We don't have a live feed now. Nope. Jews. They did it. See, you let two Jews in the building, you see what happened. So we're going to record it. That's remote. Well, I mean, we always record. We do. It's true. Um, What were we just talking about? We were just talking about something off the air. Stormy Daniels. Yeah, Stormy Daniels. That's right. Now, so, so, what, what was your question about that? My question thing? to you just was that you hear it every day. Uh, I, and again, I'm same as you. I really could care less about him either way. Right. He's our president. I respect him, and yep. for, and, and quite honestly, I always tell people, and I told Mike this in the car, and I mean that I don't think he got elected. I just think Hillary was so bad. That's, that's what a lot of people think. think. Yeah, I, I think just think that true. I just think that anyone else but Hillary would have gotten elected. She was just so hated. And, uh, well, it's like most of our presidents are elected because they're Mr. Smiley. Yeah. And she was like, you know, the exact miserable, opposite. Miserable human being. Yeah. And I was just so thankful just that I didn't have to see her that face every day, that miserable face of hers. Who was the genius that gave her the line, basket of deplorables? <laughs> yeah, which killed what her. Stupid, stupid thing to say. Stupid thing to say. That was a bad idea. Oh. And really just showed what was in her heart. And I think that that was a big deciding fact. She was just yeah, a horrible, horrible right. candidate. And so, was, what I was yeah. saying to you, so now, so we're stuck with Trump now, and that's and that's and 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 now the constant drumbeat of well, the Stormy Daniels stuff. And I was saying to you, what's the end game for this? What what is all this being put yeah, see, into? I don't understand that either. What yeah. the end game is with Stormy Daniels? Because I would I would hazard a guess at least ninety percent of our presidents. Had affairs. Well, of course they did. I mean, Absolutely. To get they, to that point, you're usually that kind of person. I'm thinking mm-hmm. the only two who didn't were probably George W. Bush and Jimmy Carter. <laughs> that was probably. I think you're about probably it. right. Actually, I think they had an affair with each other. Yeah, they might have had that's an affair with I each heard. other. Yeah, hey, that's the internet's back. What they were hiding. Oh, good. That's good to know. But um, anyway, so I, that but that's what I don't understand in my naivete. Are they just trying to destroy him because they hate him, or does this have probably, some sort of yeah. end game for for them? See, here's the other. And thing. And then you get Pence next. So what's the? Yeah. So where's the win? There's no win there because he's a lot more religious yeah. than Donald Trump is. So wouldn't you rather have Trump than a Pence? I think I, I would. I would have to agree with yeah. you. I would rather have a Trump than a Pence because again, I have nothing against Christianity. You know, the Christianity's taking a beating right now. Unless you use your religion to harm other people, I got no problem with your religion. And Christianity has never done that. Oh, no, it's never (laughs) happened. You know, like every other religion of all time, it's just, it's, I I, I just don't get it. But I mean, when you compare, well, first of all, what I've learned is that unless you agree with 100% of what I think, I hate you. What? Yeah. Thank you. When did that happen? A hundred percent. I have to agree yeah. with everything you think. Otherwise, you hate me. Tom, I got to tell you, it's the same. It's, it's gotten to the point now where uh, I put out one tweet, and if, and if one group of people don't like my tweet, they suddenly start going, stick to your dick jokes, funny boy. Like, I mean, just, they're so hateful. <laughs> I, I know. And it's your daughter that writes that to me, too. Well, it was, it yeah. was Alex. <laughs> yeah, Alex. Yeah. Ah, she left nice. early. But, you know, it's... They, people get very personally offended now if you don't agree with everything they everything. do. Everything. It's sad. Say. It's really, really sad. I, you know, and people really get mad at me because I'm a centrist. Yeah. Me well, too. Why, why can't you take a stand? Yeah. Say, people don't like people who don't explicitly agree with them. You can't just not disagree. You yeah. have to agree. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, 
a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a liberal. I'm not a conservative. I'm just kind of in the middle going, yeah, On the well, issues, whatever you feel for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. That you feel, yeah it depends on what the issue is. Yeah. Right. Uh, once again, I think, to me, uh, issues like race and gender and orientation and all those things, if you are going out of your way to laud people for, for any of those three things or to, to, to offer them, I don't know, to kind of coddle them, Yeah, that to me is racist. I agree. If you're being noticed for right. something other than who you are as a person. I agree. George Bush coined the term bigotry of low expectations. The bigotry of low expectations. Because it's like, oh, well, black yeah. people obviously can't get into college unless we, you know, Take lower, care of them. lower the scores. So oh, I see what you're saying. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, the bigotry of low expectations. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. And yeah, I don't know why. He never said anything it, it's just the anger intelligible that, again. It's just the anger that comes out if you don't agree with people. And that's what I've seen is it's, it's, it's insane anger. Do you know when I got in a lot of trouble and I was like, wow, it's really getting in a hand? My first sign. We all get those signs. Yeah. So uh, maybe about 10 years ago, I um, got my teeth whitened and I was at a hotel and I looked in the mirror and I just thought of the f- a funny cute little tweet off the top of my head and I just wrote next time instead of getting my teeth whitened I'm just going to get extra tan I just wrote that tweet I thought it was a funny little tweet it's a tan no, but here's what's interesting I didn't realize it at the time but people started writing to me saying well I guess you're stealing from Mitch Hedberg Mitch Hedberg apparently had said one of those jokes somewhere in his act somewhere. Uh, oh, he did. Well, how? But I wouldn't have known know that. that. So I, of course, I've never been known for stealing. I've never no. stolen a joke in my life, no. and I was all and and so I automatically made a joke like, "Oh, I had no idea. I would. Ne- I've never stolen anything." Okay, I guess he wrote. A, it was a simple little joke that anybody could think of. I yeah, thought, it's not like honestly. the biggest head scratcher, you know. It's a, it's someone's going to arrive at that joke sooner or later. Mm, right. So then, to be funny, I took a Richard Pryor bit and I said, "Well," and I took a Richard Pryor bit where he used the end word like five times right. a Richard Pryor bit and I put that as my tweet and I was like but anyway this is how I really feel and I put a Richard <laughs> Pryor bit they must have loved that thinking that people would get the irony no, that like oh my no, god no. I'm saying I'm not no, selling no. and all of a sudden Hell people no. start going you're racist you're racist and no. I started oh, going yeah. I'm not going to answer this because these people are so stupid yeah, you, and I, all of a sudden you I was can't like, engage and I said if I don't answer it I'm going to now get a reputation as being someone who no you're better puts, off not answering it's yeah. ridiculous no I, I had he, to I had to say like listen this is a Richard prior bit i was being ironic because you thought i took a headberg bit and then i was like well nothing's funny anymore it is unbelievable Mm -hmm. i will tell you this that i once uh interviewed mitch hedberg a couple years before he died yeah and uh he was on the phone and i interviewed him and i got done with the interview and uh went back and tony lee who was on the show at that time said that wasn't mitch hedberg no. Like, oh, that's great. Get out. He said, yeah, he sent a friend somebody. Of his? Yeah, it was a friend of his that did the interview because he wow. didn't feel like doing it. But I didn't know. How yeah, the hell do yeah, I know? Major how would you anxiety. Know? He probably got anxious about yeah, it. Maybe. Yeah, how he would had you know? Huge anxiety. Yeah, because, I mean, he was from here. So he might have yeah. either that or he thought I was a prick. That might have been the other. What was his drug? Was he a heroin, He's a heroin oh, addict? He, he, had, he, had, he had gangrene heroin. in his foot. Yeah. Is almost Jesus. Yeah. I I knew Jesus that God. I knew that Mitch but. Hedberg was going to die. Uh, we worked with each other. I worked with him six months before he died, actually. Oh, and uh, it had gotten to the point where he couldn't go on stage because people were just yelling out his punchlines before he could get yeah. to them. Oh, now, God. imagine being a comedian oh. and, that, and you're just going, you can't even tell your jokes anymore because yeah, exactly. you become such a rock star. And at the last couple shows he had done, I heard he was telling people to throw pills on the stage. 
Just throw stuff up on the stage, and he would just eat them. Oh, but, oh let's not do that. Yeah, yeah. It's a sad. bad plan. Such a sad story because he well, was so talented. Yeah, he At was. that point, I'm sure he was like hoping for, you know, hope one of these is poison. Yeah, yeah. And then he stole my joke about tanning. I <laughs> <joke> stole, <laughs> stole your Stole it right teeth? from me. It was unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, I talked, I, I think it was his mother. Uh, they were going to do a golf tournament in his honor, and they wondered if I would host uh, the golf tournament, but they never got back to me about it. I don't think they ever had it. Yeah. Because, you know. Golf tournament in his honor? Yeah, I mean, Mitch Hedberg and golf. wasn't really a golfer. No, he wasn't a golfer. Yeah. But I understand he once did his, his entire act standing behind a, a pillar on stage. I heard that, too. Yeah, and he he's did one lying down. Yeah. He just lay down on his back and did his entire act. Yeah, he had a he had a lot of anxiety problems. You should see him when I saw him here. At, he did the state theater when they were doing the double shows, and he oh, was yeah, just yeah. shaking. <clears throat> was he really like crazy? Like nervous, crazy shaking. Really, that's terrible. And that's why he had those like right, he had yeah. sunglasses and the hair down. He yeah. didn't want to see the people. And he didn't want How to many see times people. can you do that before you want to kill yourself? Because you just you can't deal with the stress constantly. Yeah, I know. yeah. Can you imagine? You I were couldn't. gifted. You what? I couldn't do it. No, I mean, you realize you were given a gift, and yeah. you're, if you don't do it, you're wasting it, but it scares you to death to do it. That's a, that's, that's a tough... Yeah, that's a tough position to be in. There's some there's some famous singers that have really bad stage oh, yeah. fright, and they oh, just yeah. it's like, and they're great singers, and it's just it's very, you know, and it's weird. We all have our stuff. Do you ever do you ever get uh, anxiety about being on the on the air, or is it always, not on the air? No, but yeah. other things. Yeah. Because yeah. if someone... You know when I got terrible anxiety? Uh, I was in Vegas, and Rodney Dangerfield was playing next door, and someone oh, had told yeah. him that I, that I was a great new young comedian, and Rodney came to my oh, show. God. Oh, yeah, my would make God. I tanked. I tanked. I was so nervous. Oh, really? I tanked. I was horrible. Did you go out and say, hey, when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> <laughs> steal his act. Just go out on stage and do Rodney. That hey, throw me fun. some pills. I want to yeah, eat some pills. I would tell you. <laughs> Call me when you have no class. Hey, I just got my teeth whitened. <laughs> I just got my teeth whitened. I should have just gotten a tan. Yeah, that would have been great. You, just start, you should have done his act. That would have been hilarious. I think now I would have, but I was a young comedian, yeah, and I was younger. scared. Yeah. I mean, this is oh, a yeah. big icon, Rodney Dangerfield, and came to see me. Mm. I was way too young and had a terrible... Childhood, I never would have had the self-esteem. <laughs> well, not a lot of people do well when they're like being evaluated like that. I suppose because then yeah. even like even like uh, you know professional sports players when they start thinking about it rather than just like you know letting the muscle memory do it. Yes, absolutely. That's when You're they right. start missing. Mm-hmm. Well, Tom, good. Qu- I got a good question for you. I, you. You've become so established now. You don't never. You don't have to worry about ratings. But in the very beginning, I would assume yeah. you would know. If I don't get back to number one this year, or I don't, you know what I'm saying? That yeah, be, no, I understand what you're saying. And were you able to perform and put that out of your head? Yeah, because I don't do any show prep or anything like that. It's all ad-lib. Yeah. So, therefore, there's nothing for me to be nervous about because I didn't plan to do anything. So, in other words, it's not like doing jokes where you write jokes and then you have to perform them. Right, but still... That would be a bitch. But still, yeah. you never had the stress... I have a whole family now, and and the book is coming out. And if oh, I absolutely, and, you know, did. yeah, yeah. I mean, to tell you the I truth, I can tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Like I'll tell you the stress yeah. meter. I I would say this that I have been stressed out my whole life since I was a little wow. boy. Wow. Huh. I, I yeah. am always stressed out. Always. Yeah. Because you know the ratings come out weekly now. Right. And even though you know things are great and everything's wonderful and all the rest of it. Somebody compared it to being a hockey goalie. 
They said it's like when you make a mistake, a light flashes and sirens go off. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, great. Yeah. That's and everybody God. stares at you. And everybody Di- stares at you. Disappointed. Oh, oh it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, well, that actually does happen in some radio stations. If you uh, don't talk for long enough, oh, yeah, sirens will go sirens off. Sirens will and, go off. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So the, no. dead air, uh, the dead air alarm. So it, it's... Yeah, but it was never on your mind while you were. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like I knew Rodney was in the audience, and that was on my. I couldn't get rid of that no, thought. I understand that, and that tightened me up as a performer. My whole thing, because uh, you wouldn't know this, maybe you and I have talked about it in the past. But when I was seven years old, my father told me he never liked me. No, I didn't know that. And therefore, how did you not know that? How did I not know that he you've, didn't like you've me? You've read Tom's book, right? Yeah, I, I did read your book. So go on. Yeah, I should write a book. You were seven. Yeah, Who likes their seven-year-old? Yeah, that's true. That's Who likes I have a seven-year-old right now. Trust me. He knows point. I don't like him. So yeah. basically for me, uh, I always think I, I never measure up. Right. And some people think I'm arrogant as hell, and it's not arrogance. It's protection. Protection. I get it. I protect myself. So I may come off as arrogant to some people, but I'm not arrogant. I'm just trying to protect myself from assholes. Man, we're all nuts. We're yeah, we all are nuts. all nuts. It There's really no question about that. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. So it's a protection thing more than anything else. And people, the weirdest thing about being on the radio, and maybe on stage too, is that people literally think you're talking directly to them. Absolutely. That's terrifying. Yep, absolutely. I heard what you said about me. I'm like, what? I've had people that, I, that, I, that I'll say, and it's probably even weirder in radio because you have such a bigger audience, but I've had people where... I would do a joke in the beginning, and I'd say something like, well, this guy, of course, is gay or something, and then they'd want to kill me. And I'd say, like, I What's don't f- even know you. I'm making an I obvious know. joke, and you're taking, they, and they think that you're just coming up with it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, so I get that. It's just it's like you noticed a gay person in the audience and went, look, everybody. Yes, just let me point him up. I, I, we had a woman, as a matter of fact, when the show, at one time, the show had like a 29 share. It was the highest Jesus. ratings in America. I'd be stressed out. And there was a woman that was absolutely convinced that she scripted the show and that she would send me the scripts and I would bring them in and pass them out to everybody. And we would follow her script. And she got really mad at me because I never paid her. When are you going to pay me for for my writing? And I'm like, what? Wow. It's like a post hoc delusion. Yeah. And that person could get to you, too. That's oh, a scary yeah. thing. And they oh, know I mean, where you are. Yeah. I always think that if I would, when, I would, uh, when I'd be on the road and I would sleep with a woman, that I would find out later I had a boyfriend or a husband, and they could oh, go on my yeah. site and find out where I'm going to be. I know. It's a weird feeling. We'll be right back. Tom Bernaccio. <laughs> Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. 
This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Hey, not try to get home before 11, because that's when my father had me be home by 11. My father was one of them 11 o'clock niggas. Say, say, where you going, Richard? Say, huh? Well, nigga, you ain't asked nobody could you go no place. What the fuck, you a man now, nigga? Get a job, that's my job. I don't give a fuck where you go be, be home by 11. You understand 11, don't you, nigga? You can tell time, can't you? What's that clock say in the kitchen, nigga? The clock, motherfucker, what's the clock say? Let the clock bring your ass here. I don't mean down the street singing with them niggas either. I ain't getting your ass out of jail no more, motherfucker. God, uh, he was good old Richard Pryor. He was unbelievably talented. Just fun. And then, uh, then it, it was kind of sad because at one point he went to Africa, and then he said, I, "I'm not going to use the big N anymore." Uh, and a chain. Remember that when he came back from he went to Africa and he came back and he decided he was not going to use the big N anymore. But then didn't he go back to using? And it? I, he did go back to using yeah. it because it because it was just who he was. It was such a part of his character Absolutely. and who he was and how Absolutely. he and how he. Well, and you need money. To talk to people. The yeah, 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 yeah. He I'm, needs to pay his rent I, and get his crack. I am mad. At, <laughs> and that. I, I am mad at Richard Pryor, and I always will be for the rest of my life because I I adored Richard Pryor. Yeah. I just thought he was the greatest of all time. But I, as a white man in America, cannot say the names of his first two albums. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, can't you say can't. the names of the albums. Hey, have you ever heard the album? The, uh, <laughs> my, like, oh. my second album, which is still a bestseller on uh, iTunes, if I may add. See, if I may add that. It's called Super Retardo. I made it 13 years ago, and the, it was based on a real-life thing where someone had once said to a cult club owner... I really think it's cool that you hire a retarded person to work <laughs> about me. So I thought that was so funny that I was like, well, if I was retarded, I'd be super retarded. So I made, so it was a joke about myself called, called Super Retardo. And what I right. said to the person making the album cover was this character can't be in any way offensive. He has to be proud. I don't want mm -hmm. it to be like someone who's drooling all over himself right, like an idiot. Right. I wanted it to be empowering. And and the CD sold great. It was It's still one of my best-selling CDs. I can't announce it at shows anymore oh, because no, of no, the no. word. And I'm like, oh, but, my God, I can't. But actually, to retard spoilage was not, I mean, no, yeah, to and retard. That's, just. But it was just the word all of a sudden is so bad it's got such a nasty connotation to I, it. That, I just think that's a big mistake. Well, I agree. Taking words like that, you know, not to do it. Look, when, 
when you're running around calling, you know, it's people intent, right. and Hey, retard. Yeah, stuff hey, like retard. that. Yeah, but yeah my, I mean, don't do that. And it's and so it's but it's it's weird. And that's another one of the things that like, well, time's gone by now. And back then that was more acceptable and funny yeah, for what the bit yeah. was. And the bit was based on an empowering thing that it really was an episode that happened to me. And that bothers me now that people now immediately will look at the title and be like, well, that's really, whatever they say it is. All well, the isms. And knows. now it's not special needs any longer either. It just keeps changing. It, is, it and keeps it's just, changing. And I don't know what what is it now? Does anybody know? I don't pay attention anymore. I, from what I understand, I think it's called Rosie O'Donnell now. Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah. They call you Rosie O'Donnell. I just can't care anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's where we're going to – that's that's a point to which we're going to get. That's where Generation is it, Z is. They don't care. They don't they care. They don't care. You're no, right. you're right. Yep. And, and, and they have to be that way. We've forced them to not care. Because uh-huh. otherwise everything is such a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. I talk about this you know, quite you're often. Right. When I grew up uh, in my era – you know, I was a, I was very, very young at the beginning of the '60s. In the mid '60s, I was a very young teenager. Right. Like I was, I had just turned 12 years old when JFK was assassinated. Okay. And I do remember how hateful the '60s were. Oh yeah. But people don't remember that part. They remember, oh, the Beatles broke, and remember that oh, and the love. summer of love. Yeah, summer yeah. of love. Yeah. Well, that all came about because everybody hated one another. Yeah. I mean. Uh. So I'm hoping there is a summer I was going to say that's coming. a sign of hope, actually. Yeah, that I story. Hope. Yeah, it is because that, that's where we got. Now I did find oh, out. Oh man, pot's going to be good when it gets legal. That's all I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Although I keep hearing that every every club I go to, and you know, I don't know if Mike's had the similar experience, but every club I go to say that hiring. The, the kids today is just miserable because they don't want to work. They they no, they right. literally go like, well, I don't want, why do I have to do that? But, I, but like at that. the same time, I some of them show up and are great. Yeah. So well, there's always some stars. Some are great. And think about every generation. There's so many lazy people. Yeah, laziness is <laughs> yeah, always. Yeah, I like to complain about kids today and complain about workers, but there's plenty that the the ones tonight they're going to show up, right, guys? John and. <laughs> John and All Doug. the guys. Well, I, to tell you the truth, I, I talk about this once, and I joke about it a lot. Uh, but my the four, it's a four beat for me. It's this is your job. Number two is do your job. Number three is do your goddamn job. And number four is remember when you used to work here. Yeah. Now, not that I would fire anybody, right? Because I, I'm again, I'm a private contractor. But if you will not do your job, amen. You gotta go. You gotta go. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I can't work with people who won't do their job. Yeah, and I, then they think they're victims because they because oh, they yeah. get fired. That's oh, the yeah. worst part about it. And it's a sad thing that we're sending out to them that because we're taking away the idea that they don't understand they can change their own destiny by really working hard at something that they can get yeah. everything they want. And that's yeah, what I, mean, I think is important. That is the whole deal. It's just that it. I think it's it's such a when when things came so easy for a while there. People took that for granted. It's like, well, this yeah. is all, this is, I mean, this is easy. It's, yeah. America after World War II caused a real problem because it was the only country, you know, Canada, obviously. It was the only country that wasn't destroyed by World War II. Yeah. So we took, that's why all the manufacturing was done in the United States. Right. But it also was like the place to live. Uh, you know, slavery had ended all those years later, but still the... You know, it was 1965 before the Civil Rights Act was passed. So yeah. after World War II, a lot of people's civil rights were still being violated. Right. And people tend to forget that whole thing. But it, um, the world was a, hey, look, 
I'm just telling you, when you look back all the way to World War One, the war to end all wars, so many mistakes were made by Euro- by Europe. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, France and England particularly. Right. Because Lawrence of Arabia, here's what we'll do. We'll cut uh, Arabian nations up into little sections. And, oh, you live on the wrong side of the line now, so you don't live in the country in which you grew up in. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, and that caused that ripples that are still, still happening there. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, after the war ended, the French decided it was a great idea to put their foot on the Germans' neck. And, you know, they were already destroyed, so all it did was piss off the Germans even more. Yeah. Uh, it's like, don't poke the bear. France hasn't been making a lot of good decisions lately. <laughs> yeah, they really have They're not. not really. I don't know what the hell that's yeah, all about. Yeah, there's not a lot good going on over there anymore. Uh, so I, what I'm hoping is, after all this stuff, that, that Generation Z is it now, mm-hmm. Andy? That's the generation yeah. that's, like, currently... In their teens. In their teens. Oh, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think Fawn's generation even has a name. I got yet. a great no. Generation Z story. So we got adopted. She was 11 at the time during uh-huh. the election with Trump and um, Clinton. And we said, who are you going to vote for? Who would you vote for? And she goes, I don't care. As long as Olive Garden's still going to have breadsticks. <laughs> uh-huh. Well. You know, uh-huh. she goes, I got to tell care. you, that's not a bad that's not a bad platform. No, it's not yeah, a bad platform. No, their breadsticks are pretty they, damn good. <laughs> when I was a kid, was. when W uh, HW was running, I was like in kindergarten. I said I would vote for Bush because I thought his name was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, George Bush. Because it's I'd a vote Bush. For him so he's a Bush. Yeah. So if you were a kid now, would you have voted Hillary or Trump, you think, if you were a kid? Trump. Funnier because name? Trump is like, you know, oh, funny it's, it's a word. It's a funnier name. Funny yeah. hair. Yeah, exactly. He's got, the, he's got the funny hair. Yeah, funny hair. I'd That's rather true. him read me a bedtime story than Hillary, because I think Hillary would stab me at the end of it. <laughs> Just for fun. I think, and I'm almost certain about this, uh, since I turned 21, and the day I turned 21, Richard Nixon got elected president. The, since then, I believe I have voted for one president that's gotten elected. Really? Seriously. <laughs> I was like... And I That's back almost and forth a good between. sign, though, because it means you're always like. On a, <laughs> I, I guess you're yeah. always you're always going against the green. That's what I'm saying. So I, now, wait, did I you guess. vote Mondale in '84? Were you the one? Uh, you yes. know he did. Well, you voted did. for Mondale over Reagan. Oh Minnesota. no, we were the only, only state. state. Only state. Oh, that's DC right. and Minnesota. <laughs> yes, Kathy and I both voted for Mondale. I don't even think I don't even think Mondale voted for Mondale. Greatest part of that is Walter Mondale hates my guts too. Walter Mondale's hate everyone's guts. Well, that's true. I remember as a kid, Ted Mondale calling up my dad to chew him out. That electoral map. It's just all red. That's unbelievable. In Minnesota. Yeah, well, it's but unbelievable. I've, I've well, mentioned this before, but oh, yeah. that wasn't even the biggest presidential landslide ever. It was not. FDR <laughs> versus Alf Landon, oh. who you've never heard of. Can't Alf, beat FDR. We've heard of Alf Landon. 523 Alf versus 8. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. So just a no. reminder, though, uh, we got to go, but uh, Mitch will be at Royal Comedy all weekend. Please don't bring knives or any weapons to stab him. Why well, would anyone stab me? I'm lovable. Uh, you mentioned like five After the bedtime times. story. Yeah, the oh, bedtime story. You're a very lovable guy. Mitch and, is about and, as lovable as And you mentioned like your wife to be dressed up. And, and my, I got a whole new act. For all my Minnesota fans that have always come see me, it's a brand new, uh, brand new act about yeah, yeah. my dirty wife. I if, if you've heard them on the radio, which they all have. They all have. All yeah. new acts. All new so, jokes. Never recorded. All new acts. All new acts. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's changed a lot since I've been here. So. Like dirty in what way? I mean, don't give away I, your oh, act. No, don't do I will your not, act. I will right. not yeah. say dirty. Well, the, the one thing I'm proud of, there's absolutely no cursing in my act. But it's about the fact that my right. wife 
And this is kind of out there, but before we, I wonder if it's going to change, Randy Kid. But my wife's very into free love. She likes swinging, so she's a swinger. My wife. Your wife's a swinger. Yeah. And you knew that when you married her. Yeah, it's kind of why I married her. So you swing too. We have. Well, you have, and how'd that go? Pretty good. <laughs> oh, God. I wish you could have seen the face he just it's made. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. People don't realize how much fun you can have. It's not That's as swingy. long as you. But we're not the kind of people that just go into a crazy party and just start having sex with a bunch of people. We have right. like discerning couples we hang out with. Discerning that we get to do fun things with. Because each they other. do that new commercial for Sling, which is a TV channel, right? And the guy. Uh, you want to sl- you want to, you want sling, and the guy thinks he's at. They're asking if you want to swing. Oh, okay. And so he starts unbuttoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, that would be us it's unbuttoning pretty, our shirts. You would be unbuttoning your shirts. So, but so my act is a little bit about not about that, but it's about the fact that my wife is just a lot more open with her body and who she is, and she's just very into female really? empowerment. My wife's very into female empowerment. Right. Very into the fa- my wife. The maddest she ever gets at me was that when I was on the road and I would have sex with groupies. She says, "Never mad at you for." having sex with groupies I was mad at you that you would make it into more than it was that you would tell them that they were your girlfriend now because she has this thing that girls are allowed to be whores girls are allowed to say like I want to just do something crazy guys can be whores girls can be be whores yeah yeah, that makes sense yeah so my wife that's her big her big uh, feminist movement so you don't think eventually that's going to cause problems we've been together eight years and we're happier than ever I think having the kid has made me think differently about you know I mean about her does she think differently now I think we listen. I mean, she just had the baby, so this is yeah, brand new. True. It's seven months, true. so I think that months. going forward now is going to be an interesting, you know. And I think that any network would love a good reality show to find out what happens now. I love that. I'm saying, what happens now to the couple that used to swing? Did you just talk, have you talked to anybody about that? I'm going to talk to him right after I get off the show with you right now. I like I'm going to call somebody with that idea. Actually, there was a production company that wanted us to do a reality show based on this show. Yeah, and. The guy, the family Bernard, the guy who ran yeah. the the TV production company, I found out lived in Santa Monica and it would take a helicopter to work every day in Hollywood. <laughs> I said that company would be broken in about ten minutes. Ten minutes, yeah. And they were, yeah. Those are the people that hired Howard Stern for fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. God, I still can't believe that happened. That's yeah. where we got the uh, camera. We got it for cheap because, well, not cheap, but you know, relatively cheap. Because we uh, bought it for that show, for that show and then yeah. that never happened. So we we're like, "Well, you can keep it." And we were like, "Okay, all right, well, yeah, it works, awesome." Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I don't know if it would have worked out all that great anyway. Because I think you have to be way over the top and really goofy. Or... We played the very first promo that uh, uh, John and Kate plus eight put out yeah, on the network. Yeah, yeah, it is so horrendous. It's horrible. It's like. Yes, we will be there to talk to you about what it is like to have children. I mean, it, it was terrible. <laughs> Andy, you might be able to find it because it's on the Newswire today. He, she's okay. He is horrendous. Is he horrible? I mean, it's, seriously, it's, I just want you to know that I love my wife, Kate, uh. and we have children now. Like, <laughs> oh, God, you got to work on your delivery ballots. Yeah. Kate delivery. plus date? Kate plus eight. No. John and Kate. John There's and a Kate new show it. called Kate Plus Date. Because I think oh, they got is? a divorce. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, they did get a divorce. Oh, they got divorced a long Kate time plus ago. Date reality show. Was he doing show. like some kind of? He was endorsing shirts or something. Or you ever watch any of these reality shows? No. No, nor have I. No, I, I saw. Don't. You know, one time I was about to get a, a reality show from A and E. We were just about to get one. So we, me and my wife, wanted to watch some other reality shows to see how they do them. So we watched. 
couple episodes of Kardashians, and oh, it was like God. literally like our brains were turning into applesauce. I can't ever. believe people can actually put that on. I saw one promo for for uh, the Christmas Kardashians, yeah. and the, the Rob is that the brother? Yeah, yeah, Rob. He says they're unwrapping gifts, and he goes, "Well, Kim, why don't you unwrap your gift? Let's face it, you're the richest person here." Like, oh, oh, I'm gonna put that in my new sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> put that in your sitcom. We're talking about our future president there. You gotta go, pal. Yeah, I gotta go. Oh but man, it was I great having you. That. In all this is wonderful having you. In Thanks all for having time. me, and I, I mean, I Absolutely. love coming on too. And Mike, I mean, you know, just a, just yeah, a bonus, you, you know. We'll I'll be back. Special guest up next. Not only special guest leaving, but our special guest up next. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a flow dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at and lifts. A better way. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. His birthday today. Did you find out if he's 58 or 59? No, you're right. 58. He's 58. Okay. And it was Billy Joel's birthday yesterday, and he was how old? 66. 69. 69. And uh, it's Eric Burden's birthday tomorrow. I love Eric Burden. How old is he? 70 something? 74, 75? Gotta be. Eric Burden. I've met Eric about 20 times, and every time I meet him, it's brand new for him. <laughs> I think Eric didn't always behave. Isn't mm-hmm. I love the guy, too. I just love him. There's no doubt about it. Ladies and gentlemen, crash test girl, an unlikely experiment in using the scientific method to answer life's toughest questions, Carrie Byron. How are you doing, Carrie? 
I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Marvelously. Well, now I want to find out, first of all, what life's toughest questions are. Well, I think we all have our own toughest questions, but for me, oh, it's turning off alarms. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's a little alarm going off. You know, not a problem. There you go. Um, I, 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 uh, <clears throat> so I find the toughest questions for me have always been answering to depression or trying to get the perfect job or just some everyday things. Um, yeah. What your toughest questions are, maybe I can help you. <laughs> My toughest questions in life are, why are people so angry now? God, everybody hates everybody else. Why are they so angry? That's a very tough question for me. I'm very serious. I haven't noticed that. I feel like it's, I, 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 it sounds like an old person answer, but I, I feel like we spend too much time on social media. You do? Yeah, I think I do. I think it makes me angry. I get happier when I actually talk to real people. See, I think that's exactly the answer because I don't go on social media at all. And... Every time somebody sends me something, people do send me, you know, if, if somebody brings me up on social media, people like to, to text it over to me. My God, people are angry. People are so angry. I know. I try not to participate in that. I get all sorts of weird trolls and stuff, and I just don't, I don't really respond. I've got a really thick skin after, you know, two decades on television as a woman. Yeah. I can pretty much take anything and just laugh at it. Well, that, see, that's wonderful that you can you just take anything and just laugh at it because it is all ridiculous, to tell you the truth. I mean, all of this stuff. I think, to tell you the truth, Carrie, that if, that if everybody didn't insist that you agree with 100% of what they believe, things would be a lot better because nobody is going to agree with 100% of what you think. It's just not going to happen. Let's just be nice. I'm with you. It's true. Being nice is good. Carrie Byron's story hasn't been a straight line. She started out as a broke artist living in San Francisco, writing poems on a crowded bus on the way to one of her three jobs. Oh, now you sound like me. I got three jobs. <laughs> uh, many curable. I, I always have three jobs. <laughs> yeah, you know what? There are certain people like you and me who we always will have three jobs at least, or maybe more than that. I don't know. You just, you get, I, look, I, I do, you, you get tired. There's no doubt about it. But there's always something going on, which is kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the type that likes to get bored. I, I feel like there's always something stimulating I could be doing. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Now, how did you get involved with MythBusters? Um, this is one of the tough life questions that I was talking about there in the book. Go. I was trying to find my dream job, which was tough because I, I was a sculptor and I was trying to figure out a way that I could actually turn that into a career. And I live in the Bay Area, so we're talking like ILM is just up the road. There's Pixar. There's all these really crazy, right. cool places. So I thought special effects would be so wonderful. So I went to get a job with Jamie Heineman. He had this shop called M5 Industries, and they did toy prototyping and special effects, like you know, carving all sorts of, of props for the movies. And I took a portfolio into him that he looked at with such disinterest. But I told him I would work for free. <laughs> well, there and you go. He said, "Come back tomorrow." And I just, I just kept coming back, inserting myself in a way that was useful. Like, I, if anybody needed a water, I was there with a water. Sunscreen, I was there with a sunscreen. You needed something picked up or the trash taken out, I was there. So I, I was, I was just an extremely helpful intern, and I stayed until he decided to hire me as an actual toy prototyper. And it just happened that my first day. As an intern, it was also the first day Mythbusters started filming. 
So I helped out in the background, you know, I, I, I helped out with all the myths and the setup and the cleanup. And it was about three episodes in before I got pushed in front of a camera and asked to be a background builder. Oh, okay. And then a couple episodes later, they're like, yeah, could you start talking to the camera? It would make the episodes get filmed faster. And I just remember the shock in my, my shy soul thinking, oh, my God, what? No, I understand that completely. It's it just... Uh... You're, by the way, I don't know who did your bio for for your book, but they did a really good job because there's a lot of interesting things in it. Did you do it? Uh, I'm well. I my bio I've been writing over and over in many ways, but I'm sure my editor told me <laughs> what not to put in and what to put in. Well, it's interesting as, as Carrie came to learn in her own life. Not only is the scientific method the best approach for busting myths, it's also the perfect tool for solving everyday issues, including career, love, creativity, setbacks, money, sexuality, depression, and bravery. Well, the scientific method is definitely my life methodology, and it's just easier to organize using it. But what it really is is a tool of critical thinking. It's, it's, it's taking a piece of your life, doing your lifelong experiment or crash test as I do it, and then kind of sitting back and actually analyzing how you learn from your experiences. Right. And do, do, people, do people do that? Because that's always kind of been the, the rule. But do people do that any longer? I hope so. I, I think everybody takes a little science and applies it to their life if they really want to progress. I hope so. I hope that's true. Now, as far as, you, you know, the, the scientific method for career, I understand, for love, how does, that, how does that enter love? Well, I mean, I think that dating is one big, giant experiment. Well, that's you true. You really are yeah, just... That's true. You know, you're increasing your sample size, some more than others, and it's everything from biology to chemistry, you know. You, you do an experiment, you go out on a date, you figure out if this person's right for you, and, and if they are, you can learn from those results. Um, if they're horrible as well, <laughs> you learn what you do and do not yeah. want. Well, I think that's exactly what it's like. Ah, you know, this person's probably be great, but it just, it just like I said, it didn't click or, you know, and that's a, that's definitely part of science there's no doubt about it. something's just off and therefore it's not going to work um i mean finding love seems to have become such an algorithm where you're you're yeah. looking at your phone and you're trying to figure it out i mean when i met my husband we didn't have that so for me it came all down to like more animal instinct like something about the way he smelled just triggered my head that's really funny because that's i think that's a huge part of it that people don't understand so it's interesting that you do understand that but it does i mean I, I, I will give it to the science, the computer science of it. It does help you weed out people who probably from the get wouldn't be interesting. So it's definitely a filtering process, but I don't think it can help you with your end result personally. Now, have you gone through depression in your life? I mean, you've talked, you talk about depression in the book. Oh, absolutely. Um, from the time I was 12, I started finding myself in some, some dark places, but I've really? always been known as, you know, a, a cheery, smiley girl. But right, I, right. I definitely, I've always hit it. I've, I've you know, because back, back when I was a kid, you, you, it was, oh, she's probably on her period or hormones or, you know, that, everybody <laughs> oh, always nice. has some sort of excuse or you come up with like, you know, maybe it's because I'm not popular enough or I don't have the right clothes. And as you get older, it, it's... <clears throat> funny how it's you still try to blame it on other things but i i do go through bouts of depression and i find that i have to treat it like a life experiment um and i figure if you know i met a bunch of girls um while i've 
been uh, touring for STEM and, and being an advocate for STEM. And there's a lot of girls I've talked to who suffer from depression, but they're really afraid to admit it or face it. So I figured I would put mine out there so that maybe it'll make their journey a little bit easier to see someone that they saw on television and maybe grew up with right. has exactly the same problem. Well, do you, do you think a lot of depression uh, is caused by the fact that people don't turn out to be what what you kind of thought they would be? And I'm talking about pretty much humanity because there's a huge uh, portion of humanity. They would do anything to gain for themselves. They would do harm to you. Let's just use money as an example. People will do anything for money, and I find that very depressing. I mean, I, I think that that's sad and stressful, but I think depression is something a little more. For me, it feels yeah. like uh, a chemistry issue. Oh, I personally, okay. am, yeah. I get it hormonally triggered. So for me, when I realized what I had was depression and not just a, a bunch of the blues and maybe I right. was more sadness, was when I was working on Mythbusters, I was dating a man I loved. I had a great apartment. There was absolutely nothing wrong with my life. I had an amazing life, but I still just felt this crippling and just sadness that I, I couldn't leave the house. And it, it was it was horrible. And I thought, okay, well, if everything is going right and I still feel this, maybe I shouldn't blame it on anything. And maybe I should go talk to someone and make sure that this is um, something mm-hmm. that I should take care of. So, I mean, I've, I have tried, um, I did try some of the antidepressants and they didn't work for me. They made, made me feel crazy. Right. So for me, I've, I've got like a, a program I do of just getting super healthy and eating really good foods and exercising so much until I can create some endorphins and getting good sleep. And I, I try all of the, the natural methods I possibly can which works for me. That would not necessarily work for everybody else. Some mm-hmm. people definitely need to actually go get some sort of medication. But I, I think it's important to recognize the difference between just being sad and something that you might have to actually deal with. Yeah, I, I, and I suppose if it is, I don't know if it's genetic, but it is definitely chemical. And I, the tough part about that is you know it's going to happen. When you come out of it, you know it's going to happen again, and you just don't know why it's going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just part of life. It t- yeah, brings you the ups yeah. and the downs. But uh, it's as long as it's something that's recognizable, I think it's a lot easier to manage. Because it's, it's when it's mysterious and crazy and you're young and you don't understand what's going on, that's when it seems so heavy. For me now, it's almost like, oh, I've got like this awful cold and I'm just going to fix it. Like, yeah, that's good. That's, that's almost how I treat it. But like I said, everybody's individual. All I do is, with this book, I just put my stories out in the world. And if, if there's something that can help you, awesome. If not, you can read all of the weird and crazy adventures I've been on. I think it's wonderful. I like this. Carrie Byron, former host of the wildly popular iconic cult classic Mythbuster, shows how to crash test your way through life with no <laughs> lab coat required. Yes, crash test your, your way through life. Great idea. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Absolutely. It's been a great pleasure having you on. You're a hell of an interview. You have a lot of enthusiasm. It's always appreciated when you interview someone and they show no enthusiasm. It's a difficult job, and that certainly is not you. You do a great job. Thank you. I like what I do, and I'm sure you do, too. Indeed. Thank you very much. Bye. Have a great day. Crash Test Girl, the name of the book. Crash Test Girl, an unlikely experiment in using the scientific method to answer life's toughest questions. 
She was very nice, didn't you think? Mm-hmm. I liked her a lot. She was very, very pleasant. Crash Desker reminds us that science is for everyone as long as you're willing to strap in, put on your safety goggles, hit a few walls, and learn from the results. Using a combination of methodical experimentation and unconventional creativity, you'll come to the most important conclusion of all. In life, sometimes you crash and burn, but you can always crash and learn. Do you think... Now, she was talking about a, a, you know, a chemical reaction in the body that causes her depression. Do you think that's a so that's a genetic thing or is it part of it? Well, again, John Paul Sartre said, hell is other people. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of factors that can go into it. Yeah, so, I mean, along with the, let's say your propensity for a genetic depression, mm-hmm. other things must bring it on it as well, though. People yeah. being a pain in the ass and, you know, very difficult to deal with or, or whatever. I assume that's true. But, I mean, I, I've had bouts of depression where they just, it just came on, and I have no idea why I'd be depressed. I should not be depressed at all, but I would be. And yeah, so I understand that, that, you know, that chemical part of it as well, I guess is the best way to put it. The only problem is that I never know if people's names are Carrie or Kari. It's Carrie, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is Carrie because I watched the show quite a bit. Uh, actually, I really liked her on that show. She was... Uh, well, she's an interesting person. She's got a lot of enthusiasm. We uh, did understand that. I want to thank uh, Mitch Fatel. And I know his name is Mitch Fatel, but I'm not calling him Mitch Fatel. I'm not doing it. So I just go with Fatel. But he gets mad at me, so I go with Mitch Fatel. Is at uh, <laughs> the Royal Comedy Theater in Hopkins, 7 o'clock tonight. Oh, wait a minute. It's 8 o'clock tonight, yes. 7 o'clock at 9.30 tomorrow, and 7 and 9.30 on Saturday. If you've never seen him, he's a very, very funny man. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life, in my entire career, as a matter of fact. Um, so if you get a chance, get out to Royal Comedy Theater and see Mitch Fatel, because you'll love it. I'm just here to tell you. I'm here to guarantee you, as a matter of fact, you'll love it. So thank you very much for listening today. We appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the Tom Bernard Show.